welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. And we have got kind of an eclectic slate for everybody today. Yeah, we, we sort of went with the melange. A toi? Uh, not with any of these people, please and thank you. Yeah, and we don't have a guest this week anyway. So, uh, Michael, what are we talking about this week? Well, so we got a few things. We're going to be taking a look at the Supreme Court decision that came down this week uh, with regards to LGBTQ rights uh, and specifically conservative Christianity losing their damn mind about it. Because of excitement, I assume. Yeah, yeah, because they were so thrilled to finally have a little <laughs> bit of justice in this time. <laughs> they just they were looking for something, uh, something bright, something to look towards the sky with. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, one of Trump's justices came through for them. Uh, you know, while we await the return of gay Jesus, it's nice that we can have a little bit of heaven on earth. So and then we're going to be taking a quick look at one Joseph Biden, a uh, gentleman you may be familiar with and sort of be talking about like, well, OK, everything's bad. What are we <laughs> going to do? You know, we have taken our standard morning time of several months. Still haven't left the sackcloth. Uh, yeah, no, uh, my ash supply is is limitless. We we got done with Bernie, and now we are going to take one mo- one last look, a long a long look, and before we turn to salt at what do you do <laughs> come November? Yeah, yeah, I think it's just it's it's time to at least have a conversation about it. Um, we'll see if I have anything more to say other than fuck all this shit and start flipping tables, but we'll find out. <laughs> And then, Zach, you found one more article for us to examine. Well, you know, uh, I this is sort of a preview because Catholics have been on my mind lately. And, and, and let's be honest, they never leave for very long. But we did our Southern Baptist takedown last week. And, and this isn't going to be our full Catholic episode. Because, was, was that a takedown? Did, did, what, would you describe that as a takedown? Uh, we did our Southern Baptist love letter last week. That's and, right. Our erotic and, friend fiction. It, it definitely involved a lot of fiction. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> there, was, there was a fair amount of, of untruths, uh, creative and otherwise. But I kind of, so I found an open letter to the president from a Catholic archbishop. And I thought it would be important to see what he had to say. We're committed to a diversity of voices here on Shitty Christians from Protestant to Catholic. <laughs> uh one day we will have an interfaith guest, and that guest will own us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that guest gets to take over the podcast. <laughs> so, Michael, let, let's get into current current events. Okay. Let's look so at yeah. the let, let's look at the news reports, shall yeah, we? Yeah, uh, I've got the ticker tape running through my hands right now. Um, I don't know what it means. I am a child of the internet, so this was a really useless investment, but. Uh, yeah, as it turns out, the Supreme Court did a not as bad, uh, which I have to say is news. No, that is like the first news in, in like four months that doesn't involve uh, horrific racial injustice of every stripe and or Corona, which also involves horrific racial injustice. Yeah, I mean, so living in this, uh, you know, Trump court era where we have five pretty pretty steadily conservative justices on the court um yeah what appear to be five brett kavanaugh's most days a cavalcade of kavanaugh's so yeah we're going to be talking about the recent supreme court ruling uh that Mm -hmm. i think managed to surprise pretty much everybody Uh, um because i certainly did not expect the supreme court to treat gay people like people ever 
I did not ex- I did not expect William Hung to be named American Idol posthumously. That was a weird weird turn, but I yeah, have to say I agree with it. It's nice that the Supreme Court can can do what it what it is set up to do, which is write history's wrongs. <laughs> But no, so they ruled that the Civil Rights Act should not just apply to people of color, um, but also needs to be applied to gay and transgender people. I, I'm still shocked to hear you say that. Yeah, honestly, um, I did not expect. Uh, you know, as we have already seen, this court is has it, it is the Trump court. Um, mm-hmm. It is absolutely going to define the rights of many of our lives um, for at least the next few decades or until the guillotines come out. <laughs> and I am sure, let's just be clear, we have, have already seen some terrible things and there are many more terrible things coming down the pike. But this one was a bit of a shock to the system because it was a 6-3 decision and mm-hmm. two, both Gorsuch and Roberts voted for the quote-unquote more, li- or against their conservative brethren, we'll say that. Yeah. And it should not be shocking that uh, the Supreme Court like did something good. Like That, that, that should not be a thing that staggers <laughs> us. Michael, this is 2020. Yeah, this is the world we live in. Um, And so, as you might suspect, as surprised as us dirty leftists were uh, (laughs) that the Supreme Court got one right, that is nothing compared to the shock and, frankly, horror that certain segments of conservative Christianity have been been spouting off about. Because as you may may, uh, have previously seen, any people getting any rights anywhere is always a threat to religious liberty. Well, like, as we learned last week, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, many of its pastors believe honoring anyone's rights means they won't become a Christian. Totally. Exactly. Uh, So we had everyone from Russell Moore, uh, who is the head of the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, being like, this is going to have seismic implications for religious freedom. He says from his massive office. Yeah, he says from his position of comfort. and Franklin Graham, you know, keeping it real as he always does. Friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ, my right should be protected. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Which tickled me just a bit because, Franklin, I don't know how to tell you this, but both as a quote-unquote Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ <laughs> and just as a white dude, the entirety of human history has been exclusively about protecting your rights, bro. I just... And specifically, this guy wants the right to seemingly fire trans workers at his many nonprofits. Exactly. Yeah. And and so uh, I think there's two angles here. One, why did this happen? Uh, mm-hmm. And two, what does this actually mean for conservative Christianity? And we can answer the first one a little more quickly. So let's go there. Uh, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. This isn't going to touch the church. This probably isn't even going to touch religious organizations. This is the same Supreme Court that gave us Hobby Lobby. It's actually a more conservative court (laughs) than gave us the Hobby Lobby ruling we discussed where corporations get to have their own religious principles. Like, just because this specific ruling said, yeah, you know, we're going to figure out the details. Don't think for a second that in our current judicial system that has been stacked by the Federalist Society appointees for decades, that we're going to have anything other than massive exemptions carved out not just for churches, but for basically every other institution that wants to call themselves a church. Target is the church of the Karen. Ha! Um, that's why we're trying to loot them and burn them down. 
No, and so it's it's very funny to see them all freaking out about this because I don't actually think this is about changing the rules for any religious institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what this is really about is the difference between socially conservative and culturally conservative wings of the Republican Party. Mm. And by and large, those those two units have been able to move in lockstep pretty consistently. I think we see that a lot with abortion, where this yeah. this cultural issue is very much, you know, something that not just the vast majority of the people that we grew up in evangelical culture feel passionately about, but a lot of people on the right, you know, are w- totally willing to buy into this cultural argument that abortion is murder. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny when you get like Somebody like Trump who just smells like an abortion, like are yeah. I mean, he he uses he his like own ab- aborted fetuses in his like face cream. Yeah, the name of his scent signature scent is RU486. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but he made that deal. Happily made that deal. The Federalist Society, which you know helped appoint Roberts and Gorsuch. You know, there were people mm-hmm. saying this is the end of the Federalist project because if we've been doing all of this work to stack the courts for decades, and this is what they give us, then it was all for nothing Ugh. and i think it's an interesting thing to say because the truth is that like this is actually indicative of the federalist society because what mm. ultimately all of the culture war pandering all of the socially conservative shit that is all just a way to get evangelicals specifically and people in general to buy into what they actually care about which is economic conservatism there and, we go and Gorsuch and Roberts are are absolutely the the Federalist Society appointees picked and chosen, presented on a silver platter. But you know what else oh, yeah. they are? They're conservative elites. You know, they went yep. to Ivy Leagues and, and those people don't give a fuck about social issues. I mean, no, of course not. They how how much have we seen? Look at something like gay marriage. Like that was the issue. That was that was abortion for a while. I mean, abortion was always there. But there was a period of time where the conversation was about gay marriage. And yeah. and every conservative, I mean, fucking Obama included, was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know about all this, you know, gay, gays having weddings and shit. Um, no, of course not. I mean, Democrats ran against it. No way. Absolutely. But how quickly they pivoted away from that. Conservatives don't give a fuck. They don't need to fight that battle. They're happy to take up that battle if it gets you on their side so they get what they want. But the second that that's no longer a battle worth fighting for them, that's not really what they're about. Like, only evangelicals actually care about the social issues. I was going to say, I mean, you've seen this time again in the 20th century. The Supreme Court does something right for civil rights that's important, and I agree with. A lot of their civil rights legislation, a lot of their stuff to allow women to vote. But ultimately, it's things that don't stand in the way of the market. Exactly. They are never going to stand for those issues. And I think even more interestingly, uh, you know, the Supreme Court... You know, some of these conservative voices were saying this, the Supreme Court can't do this. It can't create laws. It's supposed to interpret things. It's not supposed to, like, mm-hmm. create these sweeping, sweeping legislations. It's like, well, okay, one, where have you been for the last 50 to 70 <laughs> years of Supreme Court history? Two, the Supreme Court is basically the only institution that makes laws at this point. Like, Congress is a, is a dead fish. Like, it's it's a, it's been lame duck for how long? Like. The only well, thing Michael, that con- out here, Michael out here saying Republicans and Democrats are bad. Well, and and that's why the Federalist Project was so important to the conservative movement. They recognized totally. that, like, we're going to lose the public. We're not going to be able to keep 51% of the population forever. So we need no. to get these institutions of power on our side. And they recognized, uh, you know, frankly, liberals did it first. They used the Supreme Court to create sweeping civil rights legislation, which 
good. Yeah. But we also created an institution that can wield an insane amount of power. And I'm, listen, I'm thrilled that gay people have been married. I am thrilled that the Civil Rights Act, not, not the Civil Rights, I am thrilled um, that some of these things have happened and have brought more safety, equity, and, and, and freedom into people's lives. But that we created an, one institution that's hugely undemocratic to do that, and, and now they won. Yeah, it's because, it's because the Supreme Court can basically rule by fiat the way the president can and Congress can't. And Congress is not willing to. Congress is no. Congress is the the more stalled they can keep things, the the more the wheels that they actually care about keeping running uh, of imperialism and capitalism, like those things can just roll on unimpeded. And the same day, you get this a ruling from the Supreme Court with the notorious RBG on board, basically saying that like they they are going to put a pipeline. Uh, along the Appalachian Trail. Oh, yeah. I mean, destroy in some of the poorest communities, mostly predominantly white, but some of the poorest communities in the country because they don't care because that ultimately, even Democrats are here for the arm of capital at the end of the day. No, 100%. And, but I just, I do think it's an interesting moment because it, it did mm-hmm. feel a little gloves off to me of just yeah. like, hey, we're not actually going to stand up for this shit. Like, mm-hmm. we don't really care. Like, we're, I do think there's a very good chance that the Supreme Court is going to, at the very least, drastically reduce people's access to abortions in yeah, this I current agree. formation. I think that is coming down the pike. I think if they failed to do that, there would be too much pushback. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the kind of one thing that the right just, like, will not shut up about. Yeah. For the most of the rest of this, like, hey, this is who you brought in. And, and now you find out hilariously that, like, oh, they're not actually here for you. Like, they'll throw you a bone or two. But what you brought in is really not going to protect uh, the things that you wanted to protect. And I, I think it's really interesting uh, to see conservative Christians freak out about this and again i don't think it's because there are in good faith fears that their quote-unquote rights are going to be impeded by which we mean keeping gay and trans people out of communities of faith but like no one's going to come come for them and i think especially the people at the higher up levels know that but what they're upset about is that this is a blow to the culture war and what we saw with gay marriage is once the supreme court legalized it all of that argument not all of it a vast that national conversation disappeared basically overnight yeah, it was. It's actually wild when you think about how recently gay marriage was nationally legal, it was nationally legalized. That uh, you just don't even hear anymore about it. Yeah, it's it is gone from the discourse. Nobody. Like, we have not talked about it on this pod for a reason. It's, yeah. Christians barely bring it up, except to bitch. Yeah, it it was a really interesting moment. I think uh, I have to be a little bit tickled. Um, that as dark as the current state of affairs is, I'm glad that uh, these guys at, le- at least get to get played. Yeah, I mean, I listen, fuck Gorsuch forever. Yeah, oh. That guy sucks. We are enemies. One day I will find you, Neil Gorsuch. Parody, parody, in the game. But You didn't say day- what you do when you find him. You might sit him down and have a two-hour conversation about values. Fuck Neil Gorsuch. But I want to say, like, it's still delicious to watch Christians like Chosen Boy, the guy that they just completely ruined all norms for. Yeah. That the, they, the, they, the they one... buried Merrick Garland for just put spit in their face is funny. Oh, it's yeah. Funny. It, it's great. It's great that like because I can't count the number of times I have seen or had this conversation where like, yes, Trump is a monster. Yes, Trump <laughs> Trump is a terrible person. But, you know, the Supreme Court. And, oh, man. Uh, 
constant. I've heard that from like practically dozens of people. Oh yeah, people people I love and care about and used to respect. Uh, but, <laughs> but that was always the canard is well we have to do this because otherwise the Supreme Court is coming for us. And you know, you know what? I feel like and you know I feel like we're going to hear that argument again. Yeah, well, don't worry. Once we once we get our hero Biden in there, it'll all be different. So tired, Michael. <laughs> so twenty twenty will not end. <laughs> okay, this is maybe the time to transition. Uh, Zach, let's keep it light. Let's talk about the election. So, a little let's let's set this up. Yeah. We last discussed po- politics. Uh, about 17 years ago. Yeah, okay. When, well, we've been when, wading into a lot of really thorny political issues, like how we should burn all police stations. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's a political issue. I think, I think that's just think a, that's a life issue. Once Bernie resigned, we basically set down that and, and said, okay, we don't have to care about this anymore. And I still generally feel that way. I am just deeply uninvested in what this election is going to mean for, for America. Uh, but I think it is maybe time to have the conversation that I'm seeing all over everywhere. Uh, the conversation about, like, well, harm reduction, voting blue, in some cases, regardless of who. <laughs> yeah, to summarize it very neatly, you have your sort of mainline Dems, your sort of blue check army, if you will, who by and large are just saying, like, a second Trump term will be terrible we can't mm-hmm. do it yeah totally and joe biden america will not survive love him hate him whatever but you need him yeah groped and by him whatever people under 70 or so <laughs> most of them are on twitter but you know you're sort of restive second place bernie types you yeah. know uh a lot of them bernie got a lot of votes and basically saying like no, Biden has given the left nothing. Why would we vote for him? So, Michael, let's wade into the discourse, <laughs> shall we? This has never gone wrong for anybody before. I think it's a. I actually think it's an interesting question. I know it's, you I, have been. I think it is, it's an important question. I am not personally interested in it, but it is important. Uh, because See, I, I actually think it is interesting by virtue of being so terrible. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's 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 ter- it's interesting in the way that Saw is interesting. Would you gouge your eye out to live? Would you vote for Joe Biden? It's the same picture. <laughs> <laughs> Would you gouge your eye out for America to live? <laughs> so, Zach, take me through it. Where's your head at? How are you feeling about this? Are you, are you voting for Howie Hawkins? I think I'm going to be writing in Cynthia Nixon's name. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was going to go with, uh, what's the what's that mascot? Gritty? Oh, Gritty. Gritty. Yeah. Gr- I mean, Gritty is always the right answer if America elected Gritty. It's an older meme, sir, but it checks out. So I actually think I want to start with, like, I think the fundamental question is how bad will things get if Trump wins? Is the first thing both sides need to be honest about because I think – Both sides are kind of being dishonest in the sort of, like, libs versus leftists of this. Like, let's kind of cut through it for a second. Like, how bad do we think it will get if Trump wins? And I think, because I think this hinges on that. I mean, I'm listening. I don't have an answer to this question. Things are really fucking bad. They'd probably stay really fucking bad. They might get worse. I don't know. I think there's no way they don't get worse, to be honest. Okay, talk me through that. I think... I hate to say what I'm about to say. I think it's it is a real thing to get 
probably what least one more 50 year old catholic irish or excuse me one more 50 year old irish catholic rapist on the supreme court bench now i'm not reasonably confident that joe biden wouldn't appoint one that's just of the live variety who would be just you know uh installing ever more oil pipelines yeah but it still probably would be worse to turn the court over to conservatives already it's arguably there for a generation but like cement that as a 6-3 majority strikes me as even worse for so, choice so and this i know is, biden this is, is the harm choice. reduction argument that this is, is as terrible argument. as biden is of course now now that he's the nominee everyone is comfortable being like well of course he sucks like before it was yeah, how where was dare that you when say Bernie, that when but as there. soon as yeah. there's no other option now we can be honest about how much joe biden sucks uh but still he's no trump i think it would be extreme i think if trump remains president for four more years there's a real chance that the right takes irreparable power uh by essentially legislating away voting and then we'll have the Supreme Court votes to get rid of it. That's the paranoid side of it. It also could just stay like this for four more years and Trump could, you know, melt and then Pence could just take over. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I see that argument perhaps more than a lot of other people do. You're saying and, you, you see the validity of it. I see the validity of that argument. I, I think I don't think Trump is Trump is not worse than George W. Bush. But George W. Bush should never have gotten a second term. <laughs> Like, is Biden markedly better? So we can all agree. And in fact, I think this is assumed a second Trump term is bad for this country. And I think it could lead to a further dissolution of everything. Sure. Like norms, the court, Congress, voting, I, writ see, large. I, I actually don't know if I fully buy that argument because I think Trump is a continuation of policies that have and and behaviors that have existed on both sides of the aisle for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't buy Trump as a radical redefinition of what the presidency is. Uh, we have seen uh, lots of examples of both Obama and Bush and Clinton doing similarly egregious, terrible things. Uh, he is awful. He is evil. I just don't think he's new. Yeah. Um, but he, go ahead. Can, I think, keep, I think keep, keep I think, going with your point. What is, what is the Biden of it all? What does that look like? Well, so I think that's the question that the second part of this question hinges on is – what does a Biden presidency reasonably look like? I think the bad part is actually important here. Like Biden, in the midst of our racial climate, has said that, like, you're not black if you don't vote for him. Yeah. To black folks, which is. He appalling. has said he's not interested in defunding the police. He's he has a long he wrote the fucking like crime bill that criminalized is, black existence. Biden is a cop. For all intents and purposes, yeah. he is he is as responsible for this current moment and the current suffering going on in black communities at the hands of police. I'm, I'm going to make it a little stronger and say Biden is actually far more responsible than your average police officer. Like he no, is no, I mean, done. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. He, huh. he might be the most responsible person in America today for it. Biden also wants to shoot people. You know, like Biden shoot him in the leg. Wants people baby. shoot him in the leg. Like, I, I think he doesn't have a robust environmental policy, which is important for this moment mostly symbolic wants to get back in the yeah, Paris maybe Accord, even more than like delving into all of his various terrible policy positions we can just say like biden sucks and no one is going to push him left like but, yeah that's a and nonsense after, position 
No, and after, yeah, I actually think that's important to say. After 40, I've had people push on me about this. Biden can be pushed left. Biden can, Biden can change. Yeah. I've been told this by friends, I, by people I respect and whose opinion I actually do value. That look, Biden actually did a lot of things. Biden, Biden did the, 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 the uh, Violence Against Women Act and things like that. But the truth is, I mean, Biden, Biden has been to the right of everything. He sold the Iraq war to the Dems. He wrote the crime bill. He has he is responsible for suffering as much or more than any Democratic politician that hasn't been a president. Correct. The question really is, will his presidency cause less harm than four more years of Trump? And I don't know. Okay. Michael? So I... I- it's it's interesting that you've gone down this this path because I, I actually think uh, I am coming at this from a very different angle. I do think there is an argument to be made that eight more years of neolib shit versus four more years of Trump shit is potentially more dangerous. Yeah. Um, I worry that we because what do we see with Obama? We got eight years of Obama where some things did improve and lots of things didn't, but the reaction to that gave us gave us Trump. Um. Mm-hmm. You can't keep putting in "quote unquote" liberal policies that don't work and don't help people, and not expect people to have a reaction to that. This is not a justification for the flashlight racist bullshit that we're all dealing with now. No, um, but Obama didn't fucking fix anything, and it set the stage as well as racism, as well as fascism, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of other things, for people to rightly point out that like this shit isn't helping. Um, and I worry that if you spend another eight years. Uh, under a Biden presidency where we have the same neolib bullshit that protects capital, doesn't help st- start addressing things like chi- climate change, isn't interested in solving systemic racism, that like that thing for eight more years is just going to give us smarter, smarter, faster Trump. Like, yeah, um, Tom, Tom Cotton on steroids. Yeah, Tom, Tom Cotton with a brain. I, I think that is a conversation to be had. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's accept the premise of harm reduction. Um, because I, mm. frankly, I do like on some level, um, I do believe that a Biden presidency would probably be less damaging to individuals' lives who I care about than a second Trump term. Yeah, not much, but a little bit. Uh, mm. But I guess more where I'm coming from is I don't think this question matters. I think it's a really shitty question. I think that what we are it speaks to the uh, paucity of american pol- political thinking that we are trying to boil down these massive questions of how to govern ourselves and and create a better better institutions to like who are you fucking voting for honestly my take is like vote vote your conscience i don't care don't listen to anyone that's telling you that this is somehow a moral imperative. They lost the right to tell you that when they put an old racist rapist up as the answer to an old rape, r- racist rapist. Like, there are differences, and I believe in that harm reduction. And if that's something that is motivating you, then, like, follow your conscience and vote. Vote for Biden. But my real question is, like, fuck voting. What else are you doing? Like, this is not the question, guys. We have to keep fighting for this one way or another. None, Neither of these guys are the answer. So do what you have to do. If that's voting for Biden because you're in a fucking swing state and you think that'll be a little bit better, great. Do it. I will not have any judgment on, of you for that. If you're in a blue state and you're like, you know what? I would really like for third-party representation, even if it's just you know 15% in California that's going to legitimize the chance to move out of this two-party system, fine. Great. Do that. But you better be in the streets the day before and you better be back in those streets the day fucking after because this fight is not going to happen at this level. Um, it's, it's a dumb question. They're both bad. What else can we yeah. be doing? 
I totally agree. Uh, and especially for those of us who live in like California or New York or something, it actually doesn't matter. I don't care if you vote. It's completely meaningless. And all of this endless nattering and bickering over the morality of one vote just, I think, really speaks to how broken we are as a people. Um, that we yeah, think I mean, that like this is the thing that's going to help. We're so obsessed with the king. We're so obsessed with the presidency. It's symbolic. I'm symbolic. It doesn't really matter. Like, it's barely decided. It's the pres. It's both wings of capital. And it, I, I'm I'm not going to judge you if you don't or if you do. Yeah, exactly. So here's what I'm saying. It is largely symbolic, but I think I'm going to nuance my point and not say that it doesn't matter. It's just that it's not the answer. No, I totally agree. Uh, we have done more with these protests the last like few weeks arguably even with like what small reforms we've seen sort of locally around the country here and there uh the voting did between i would say when did america start yeah no i mean uh and, and by we let's be clear we do not mean we the people in this room we mean we the people and particularly the people of color that have been fighting this battle long before white people fucking showed up oh of course of course and, and we'll I think if I, I live in California, my vote doesn't matter. It's completely worthless. Yeah. And I personally will not be voting for Joe Biden. I, I cannot abide the idea that like of what it says personally um, to vote for a man that represents everything that I fight against. Uh, and I don't need to. And I'm not put in a I'm not in a position where that vote matters. So I am not forced to contend with that on the basis of like, well, this could actually matter. I think yeah. if I was in a swing state, it would at least be a more complicated question. But again, I really think that like both of these things are fine. Uh, they just can't be the sum total of our involvement. Yeah, it feel you know what it is. It's this like vestige of that like late '90s, early aughts, post Diddy of it all, like voter die. Like yeah. it's just this like you know who tells me to vote most of the people I know like wealthy white liberal friends that I have that like really think not voting is some kind of betrayal. And, and I just, I won't have it. I, yeah. it was the, I, I didn't vote in, like for years in my 20s. I was right then about that. And, <laughs> and I think voting can matter. Vote yeah. local, get involved, uh, protest, you know. But like the idea that your single presidential vote, this, this fetishization of this like particular office, I mean, it's destructive to our politics. But it's destructive it also to our just, politics and it's also, it's rigged. Like Totally. What, come on, we're... It, it's abs it's absurd that this is this is the grounds on which the morality of who you are as a political actor is being evaluated. I think personally, if I was in a swing state, I would lean towards doing the harm reduction out of something as asinine as things like hopefully it's slightly better for choice in the environment. But at the same time, like I have no belief in it. I will never, ever raise a finger for, for Joe Biden. I would never volunteer. And I, I frankly, some days don't even want to vote for it. So like, I, I think it's, I think it's a personal decision and I think it's kind of infinitesimal in yeah. the grand scheme of things. But, uh, I will keep yelling at people on Twitter about it because what is, was, what is that medium for? <laughs> I want just want to know, I will not stop posting. Uh, never stop posting Zach. are we talking about well zach this was this was your article so i'll let you lead this in but we're going to be talking about the vatican so as i mentioned at the top of this this is sort of like uh it's a little bit of a like an, an appetizer 
before you know in the next few episodes we end up inevitably doing our five-part series about how the catholic church both destroyed democracy abused your children and no okay so yes as a as a prelude you know uh tell tell me what we are what we are going to be encountering today so an italian archbishop wrote an open letter he, uh from the vatican uh to trump oh good <laughs> because you know that seemed like the most effective way to reach him and it's been causing kind of a stir in shall we say christian predominantly catholic circles uh Catholic Church, biggest Christian organization in the country and in the world. In the world, yeah. H- hugely powerful. Catholic Church, maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> Catholic Church, maybe it's hurt you. Oh, no. No. Catholic Church, probably it has. This guy, this guy's name, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's Carlo Maria Vigano. Yes, his, he, his middle name is Maria. It is as dumb as you think. And he he comes from an incredibly wealthy Italian family, inherited millions of dollars. Has fought with his he was on other season siblings. four of the Jersey Shore. Yes, <laughs> he is in fact the situation. Yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff there. But basically, all you need to know is he's a bigwig at the Vatican for a long time. He was the head of personnel at the Vatican, which should tell you something. Oh God. Okay. Okay. So just just full on the worst yeah. person. Oh yeah, this guy. This guy, this is your favorite neighborhood uh, rapist shuttler uh, working. Exactly. Here. Yeah. He he run he ran the buses that just sort of carted them around from country to country. Yeah. We always said busing was bad. This is what we were referring to. <laughs> and so he wrote an article titled "The Eternal Struggle Between Good and Evil Playing Out Right Now." An open letter to Donald Trump. It's more of the eternal struggle between evil and evil right now. But <laughs> I also want to say, this guy also worked essentially as an envoy from the Vatican to the United States, so he feels a special connection with America. God, it really is. It's so weird that a, a religion can have ambassadors. Like, Yeah, to, it's so strange. Countries. And banks uh, and be involved in uh, statecraft. But let's... Let's push past it. Future episode. Future episode. (laughs) So Archbishop Carlo. Yeah, the Carl. We're just going to call. Carl. So Carl warns the president, quote, the current crises over the coronavirus pandemic and the George Floyd riots are a part of the eternal spiritual struggle between the forces of good and evil. You know, what's funny about that is that I don't think he's wrong to say that. But I am terrified to know what he means by it, because I have a feeling we're going to be coming down on slightly different angles on what the right and wrong are in that scenario. I think my favorite thing uh, about, about like, life, but, like, it's how consistently we say this, like, how consistently we read things from awful people, and we're like, they're right, but they don't mean the same things. Like, what they're saying is right, they just mean different evil people than we do. Yeah, well, I I think it actually, you know, talk about hot theological takes. I think it really actually does maybe speak to uh, the danger of words like right and wrong and good and bad. Um, Well, it's like it's like uh, phrases like democratic people's republic, which never (laughs) means any of that. Uh, Yeah, it's just at a certain point, uh, just just flip whatever whatever any of these people are saying, just just invert the language and you're a lot closer to the truth. Uh, Carl writes. In recent months, we've been witnessing the formation of two opposing sides that I would call biblical. Wait, both sides are biblical? What are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, I think the conflict is biblical. 
Okay. But he okay. says, the children of light and the children of darkness. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. It's wrong of me to be excited by this. This is clearly going to be terrible, but I am super here for some Catholic <laughs> high fantasy bullshit right now. Like, I just, I can you can't say things like children of light and children of darkness to me uh, without me being like, oh, man, we are going to get some flaming swords up in here. They're going it, to be it, elves. Uh, it, like, yeah, it, it definitely trips the J.R.R. Tolkien part of your brain. Yeah, in that it is probably going to be excessively high fantasy and maybe just a little bit racist. Well, uh, you're wrong about the little bit. Yeah. But let's continue. Yeah. The children of light, he continues, constitute the most conspicuous part of humanity. Well, the children of darkness represent an absolute minority. Oh, good. Troubling. Okay, so the dark, the children of darkness are minorities. <laughs> this, Troubling. This is this is already this is already going to be great. Also, I love that he is a few bad apples in humanity. Uh, uh, again i feel like we would uh we would come on different sides of this but have similar language sometimes and yet the former the children of light are the object of a sort of discrimination which places them in a situation of moral inferiority with respect to their adversaries who often hold strategic positions in government politics the economy and the media oh boy okay so children of darkness just means jews then yeah it's just uh it's just a dog whistle about jewish folks yeah uh i love i love i love whenever somebody says oh you know we are the majority but we are also being discriminated against i mean this is this is actually evangelical christianity 101 I'm so I love it so much when a when a wealthy highborn ca- Italian Catholic likes to talk about persecution. Yeah, yeah. When a man whose entire life has been been being ensconced in silk, and this man is going to now talk about oppression. That's it. Italy's canceled. Defund Italy. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, can at least at least can we cancel the Catholic Church, please? Pretty, pretty, please. That's true. There's some Italian communists I'm, I'm here for. So I'm going to move on. These two sides, which have a biblical nature, follow the clear separation between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent. Oh, my God. It's even more fantasy than I, I expected. Oh, God. I actually don't know what he means here. Like, yeah, I, well, I, I've thought, yeah, I've thought I, about this sentence for a while, and I'm not sure. Not to brag. Um, you know, I, I try <laughs> to keep it humble on this here podcast, but I have, I have done some Bible reading in my Whoa. day on occasion cover to cover nerd, nerd. I, don't, I don't recommend it <laughs> at least in that shitty format anyways not super familiar with the offspring of the serpent uh yeah. i feel i feel like he may have this may have been in the um silmarillion text but incredible stuff uh and unnerving let's be honest a little a little too close to mud yeah people, well it also immediately we have less scripture um no again not trying to drop too much knowledge on you but the basic premise if we're just if we're just doing the (laughs) cliff notes on the bible's perception of humanity you have for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god all of humanity on the same page immediately so now this there is immediately good people and evil people you were already way outside the bounds of scripture in society, Mr. President. Oh, no, 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 no. I refuse to allow you to finish any sentence that begins with in society, Mr. President. <laughs> I, I really, is this a story about, a, a, I wish this was the story about a Catholic archbishop becoming Joker-fied, but I don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honest, maybe though. 
<laughs> I, I guarantee you, you put this guy on a late night show, he might start pulling out pistols. Uh, you That's what the robes are for. Spoilers, spoilers. All right, keep going. These two opposing realities coexist as eternal enemies, and it appears that the children of darkness, who we may easily identify with the deep state. Oh. <laughs> This just went from like Final Fantasy three to like Final Fantasy like twelve. Like this, this just, just went, went from, from Final like, Fantasy three to Final Fantasy Q. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it just it went from like oh good and evil to like political intrigue, bitches. Let's go. Uh, I also think uh, I'm gonna continue what he says and then get into it a little bit more. You know, the deep state. He says which you Trump wisely oppose <laughs> and which is fiercely waging war against you these days have decided to show their cards, so to speak by now revealing their plans. Wait, what are their plans? <laughs> what are these cards? I don't understand. First of all, motherfucker, you are part of the, one of the most powerful organizations in the entire world. Yeah. You live in the city known as, you live in Rome, the eternal city. You were head of HR for the Vatican. You might have, you were old enough to have been part of Operation Gladio, dude. People in positions of incredible privilege and power being like, oh, but you know that deep state. It's like, motherfucker, one, fuck, fuck, the deep state doesn't exist. Two, if it does, you are it. Yeah. You are it. <laughs> there doesn't need to be a deep state because you're just the state. And, and, and so uh, so he's saying there is, some, there is some kind of deep state that's showing its cards and plans. Let's see if uh, we learn more about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hit me. The investigations, he continue, already underway will reveal the true responsibility of those who manage the COVID emergency. I really thought that was Trump. <laughs> yeah, he was giving all those briefings. You would have thought. But he says not only in the area of healthcare, but also in politics, economy, and the triple brackets media... And we will probably find that in this colossal operation of social engineering, there are people who have decided the fate of humanity, arrogating themselves to themselves the right to act against the will of citizens and the representatives and the government of nations. Oh, my God. First of all, this is some, like, impressive level Q shit. Yeah. There are malefactors, Michael. Mal Tom Hanks's blood is going to be used in a vaccine. Michael, it all ties together. And then, here's the thing, Michael, it's not just about COVID. You know all these riots? They tie in, too. Oh, no. Hang on. I need a second. <laughs> I need a second before we get there. Uh, it blows my mind when... Because this is not just... Obviously, this guy is an insane asshole, and it's right. crazy that he is so powerful. But I have heard the, like, they're going to use this to, to come for our civil liberties from, like, a lot of people. Um, which is amazing when the actual thing that we're experiencing is that we're not taking this at all seriously enough. We're opening things up way too much. And we yep. have basically accepted that we're just going to let a lot of people die, which we're already seeing in all of these major cities, our own included, where yep. in spite of rising infection rates and the fact that we never really got this shit under control, they're just like, well, you know, people are really tired. They really want to go to the beach, which I actually understand. But apart from that, they're just like, ah, well, people got to make money and we're not going to help them. So let's just let a certain segment of the population die. Like, that's the actual state of play. But no, this yeah. is somehow about how we're, this has all secretly been orchestrated by a handful of people to take even more of your liberty away from you. It's it's also wild to me that these people thought they had liberty. Uh, but it's especially rich from a guy who holds, from what I can tell, literal immunity because he's a like important member of a 
sovereign nation state that is also his church. Yeah, and and it, certainly, if not one hundred percent literal, then functionally literal yeah. immunity. Like how many how many pedophile priests have we seen, and how many have gone to jail? So he says. Quote, we will also discover that the riots in these days were provoked by those who, seeing that the virus is inevitably fading, which is rich, in Italy no less, and that yeah. the social alarm of the pandemic is waning, necessarily have had to provoke civil disturbances. So wait, given who provoked the civil disturbances, is he saying that the cops are part of the deep state? <laughs> It is quite clear, he continues, that the use of street protests is instrumental to the purposes of those who would like to see someone elected in the upcoming presidential elections who embodies the goals of the deep state. Oh, my God. Okay, here's the thing I'll say. We have agreed for the first time. If there's a deep state, it is Joe Biden. (laughs) We agree. Okay, we did it. We found a place to agree. We figured it out. Congratulations, Q. We got you. Excellent, Carl. Excellent. There are those who hope to profit from the dissolution of the social order so as to build a world without freedom. And then he quotes a Latin phrase. That's the Masonic adage. Wait, what? Solve a coagula, as the Masonic adage teaches. And then he says, separate and join together is a medieval alchemy quote. Which is to say that nothing can be built if we don't break the old. Ah, uh, okay. So the, the the secret masons need to destroy everything as it currently exists so we can build it better. Actually, I might be part of the deep state. <laughs> Michael, people are already wondering that about our podcast. Should, should I be a mason? <laughs> like, is it, is it time to get some robes? If uh, what you're telling me is we're going to completely uh, tear down all of these institutions so we can build them different, like... Mm, not the worst yeah. pitch I've heard. Because he says, just as there is a deep state, there is also a deep church, Michael. <laughs> oh, God. Which, from writing oh. from the Vatican as an archbishop who has been highly placed there for decades. This is what Shitty Christians was born for. We got to go find the deep church, baby. Someone someone is going to have to build the resistance from the inside. Tune in next week to hear us uh, examine photos of J.D. Greer and wonder if uh, he's, his jeans are a little less tight because of the ankle monitor. <laughs> Thus, the invisible enemy, whom good, fool- good rulers fight against in public affairs, is also fighting, fought against by good shepherds in the ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical sphere. Did this dude just invent Assassin's Creed? Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Also, duh! <laughs> like, you worked for the Vatican for decades during all these scandals. Yeah, whatever like, this individual may or may not have done, and I guarantee you he has done some fucked up shit uh, that we'll never get to know about. But whatever he individually did, he has certainly worked for and continued to further an institution that has absolutely been abusing and hurting people all over the world for decades if not centuries and that's just like that's just the newest episode of terrible things the catholic church has been about yeah because i just want to say this is not gonna be a full episode in the catholic church but in 2014 carl allegedly ordered officials at the arch uh the archdiocese of saint paul in minneapolis to end an investigation into sexual misconduct oh good on the part of an archbishop another archbishop okay all right so that's who this guy is for real for real shocking yeah Nine stats resigned in June 2015 after it was announced that a Minnesota prosecutor was bringing criminal charges and initiating a civil suit against the archdiocese for failing to protect children 
from sexual abuse. Oh, and so that's the guy that tw- a year before our guy Carlos had killed an investigation into. Jesus. So that's who this guy is uh, worried about the deep state. Yeah. 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 The man, the man that is shutting down investigations into children being harmed is concerned about what other people are doing. <laughs> uh, to be fair, because he knows how bad those people are, I guess. And then comes the real kicker. For the first time, the United States has in you, President Trump, a president who courageously defends the right to life. There it is. It there it always is. Ding, 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 ding. comes back to this one thing. The Catholics want to get into your pants. There's no other thing. It's what, the, it's what Kavanaugh is about, too. These people are raving papist lunatics. So my favorite bit, though, for just comedy is that he says, your proclamation to Trump of the month of April as National Child Abuse Prevention Month are actions that confirm which side you wish to fight on. That is from this guy, defender of rapists, and Trump, friend of rape, friend of rapists and actual rapists, yeah, and, and accused pe- Epstein pal. Pretty funny. Uh, this guy's crazy. This guy is crazy. You brought this it, to me, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, some higher-up Catholic saying, like, dumb shit nothing new here but this is an impressive level of crazy it it's from somebody so highly placed for so long in the church it is it's kind of wild yeah that it takes another turn so he's speaking about christians who oppose trump quote it is it is disconcerting that there are bishops such as those whom i recently denounced who by their words prove that they are aligned on the opposing side they are subservient to the deep state to globalism, to aligned thought, to the new world order, which they invoke ever more frequently in the name of universal brotherhood, which has nothing Christian about it, but which evokes the Masonic ideals of those who want to dominate the world by driving God out of the courts, out of the schools, out of families, and perhaps even out of churches. Yeah, so before we clown on this guy, I think it's important to say Whenever you start talking about new world order, globalists, blah, blah, this is just, it's not even a dog whistle. It's like this guy is just being full on anti-Semitic. And the fact that he manages to get words, what don't have Jew in them does not in any way elide what this actually is. I think it's important to say this guy's almost 80. He came up, he was a priest before Vatican II. And before Vatican II, the Catholic Church basically held that Jews were responsible for the death of Christ. And I think it's not a stretch to say this guy 100% on that train. Uh, It's fucking embarrassing, but I guess it's not surprising. It's also just, I think this this is something that much better podcasts have pointed out before, but there's something so strange about people in positions of power, part of these structures, calling out becoming knowing part of the conspiracy narrative remains just it sort of like continues to melt my brain a little bit yeah and the word salad of like deep state globalism new world order like just throwing all this shit at the wall when you in the institution of power have yourself used it to abuse people but no that's not the issue there doesn't have to be a conspiracy to control anything because they're very openly telling you what they're doing like yeah nothing is hidden it's all very apparent what's happening and also just this this faint towards like globalism in a time of rising hyper nationalism uh, as if the thing that we are not seeing is that like right-wing nationalist governments are like springing up all over the place from eastern europe to south america to america 
um, really just willfully misunderstands the state of play because that's what he's actually making an argument for. Totally. And, and it's, 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 it is an argument against further persecution of minorities. And, uh, but also the minority is a that. majority. <laughs> yeah. So good. And then he just says, pray, blah, blah, blah. And it, it's all pretty boring except to the final line. United against the invisible enemy of all humanity, I bless you and the first lady, the beloved American nation, and all men and women of goodwill. Jesus. It's super strange. Yeah, I mean, and this is why when I, people are on Facebook talking about, oh, woke Pope, woke Pope, back at it again, Mr. Mr. Pope being all woke, look at him saying gays are people. It's just like, fuck you, like... Until you are dealing with the fact that this guy exists at the upper echelons of your administration, I don't give a fuck about your speeches. Oh, yeah. And as we will fully dive into, the Pope is as involved in the sort of, like, pedophile priest moving and shuffling around as anybody. Yeah, the fact that this man can occasionally make a tweet about how capitalism be bad, yo, uh, totally misses the fact that, like, mm, I mean, and it's not just Catholics, to be clear. Like, we're dealing with very similar things of in course, But it SBC. is also Catholic. But yeah, nothing has changed with the Catholic Church. Like, these people have not been outed. They are still pro- trying to protect their image, and in doing so, they protect people who rape children. Oh, I really swore we were going to try to keep this episode light, so let's bring it home. Their robes are silly. Their robes are hilarious. So and- silly. And I have to say, Latin, shitty language. I don't know why you guys decided to commit to that one. Yeah, uh, uh, there, there were there were many options to choose from. And and you were just really determined to pick the one of uh, the Roman Empire, huh? Oh, so weird. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that was that was uh, that was crazy. If the next if the next Assassin's Creed was written by this guy and it featured the Pope in his papal robes running around uh, assassinating members of the deep state with like cross shivs, I might be able to get on board. You expect me to believe that God lives beneath Il Vaticano? A more logical location than a kingdom in a cloud, don't you think? Surrounded by singing angels and cherubim makes for a lovely image. But the truth is far more interesting. Let's say I was to believe you. What do you think you'll do when you open that door? I don't care. It's not approval I'm after. Just power. Uh, Michael, let's bring this home. Yeah. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard on Twitter. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. And you can follow all of our pod shenanigans at shitty underscore pod. Check out our website, shittychristians.com, or shoot us an email at crappychristians at gmail.com. So I want to thank all of you for listening. And uh, if Michael could ask you to do two things. It's vote blue no matter who. Wait, what? Oh, no. Happened so easily. (laughs) So quickly. How the mighty have fallen. Me and Bernie Sanders out here on the vote blue no matter who. Uh, No, if I could ask you to do two things. It's donate to a bail relief fund and rate and review us on iTunes. This has been Shitty Christians. (laughs) 